In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Prophets have tough jobs. As we grow and our habits of thinking and acting become fixed, we adapt into an imperfect mixture of healthy and unhealthy thinking and acting. Adaptation becomes familiar, and familiar becomes habit, and habit becomes reality, and the reality becomes a security of clinging to what is known. The imperfect ways that we live serve a function. They meet a need. If we are in a crowd that shares the acceptance of our hurtful ways, then they are normalized. If a call to conversion enters into our awareness, it will only become possible for us if the call contains a better story, one that is more attractive than the familiar and comfortable that we are attached to. To convert, we must be persuaded, come to believe that something better awaits us if we stop doing what we are doing and take up another course of action. If you have ever undergone a conversion, become sober or allowed yourself to be changed from deep within, you know what a journey it can be. The prophet can appeal to our moral aspirations by critiquing our behavior pointing to the danger and the pain that it is causing. The prophet can also inspire us to a greater vision of ethical life, to see beyond our own selfish and immediate interests to the good of the community and the long-term viability of the things we most desire, peace and harmony. So once we are sufficiently motivated to avoid pain and change our ways, then we can change, but not before. If the stakes are high, if our very lives are at risk, then the urgency of the prophet's witness becomes the means of awakening us to our true condition of imperfection. God's love will do whatever it takes to get our attention, to make us listen. If in those moments there is even the possibility that we will attend to the call, heed the warnings, and forsake our sins. So along comes John the Baptist. We can choose to ignore or mock him and his message, but that does not change the urgency of repentance and preparation. Criticize his style or his method of pastoral care all you want, but the bottom line remains the same. He is speaking to us. The repentance he demands is directed to us. The call to wake up and avoid catastrophe is for us. The charges he is leveling at the religious leaders of his day can be just as true for us. These are the traps of the so-called good person. Those leaders made following the external standard of the law a life substitute rather than a life revealer. 
Righteousness was not a way into dependence on God, but a way out. Abraham is our father. Everything will be fine. God will protect us. The Romans can't hurt us. And then 70 AD and the fall of Jerusalem happened and it was all destroyed. Not one stone upon another. Apocalypses are not real until they are. And we deny the possibility of the same happening to us at our peril. Today's Gospel is a continuation of Luke 3 from last week's reading. Last week's call to repentance and the offer of forgiveness. And the quoting from Isaiah 40 framed the theological overview of the urgent alarm to wake up, be alert for the coming of Messiah. The way of the Lord is to be smoothed out and leveled. Oppression, injustice, abuse, and corruption are to be called out and exposed and put right. We are invited to participate in the great leveling project that clears a straight path for Christ. Repentance means to transcend your mind, your fixed categories of thought, of grasping at absolutes and non-negotiables, of us versus them, and welcome new ways of thinking and speaking and being that will open to the surprise of Messiah's coming. Stop hurting yourselves and each other, John the Baptist is saying, There is a better way. The common thread which weaves together each answer John gives is that entrance into the kingdom of God goes against nature, against our ingrained and habituated ways of discerning what benefits us. Whoever wants to repent and be transformed does so with full awareness of his or her responsibility and the consequences of choices made or not made. This is a call to the narrow and difficult way. As we embark upon this way, our selfishness and greed and arrogance do not magically disappear. We are not delivered from temptation and struggle. If anything, waking up increases them. But group consciousness, living in a mass movement, is the road to hell. John is not exhorting his listeners to easy, charitable gestures of moral niceness. He is calling them to fundamentally change the way they are in the world. He commands, his commands are not about the material goods and money, but essentially they are about relationship the potential for community, sharing abundance, peace that is more valuable than all the money Rome can collect or steal. John is interested in fundamentally subverting the system of injustice and the way it warps our minds and our relationships. Generosity in a crowd that idolizes greed is controversial. Kindness, where extortion and fraud is acceptable, is revolutionary. Sacrifice, where building bigger barns is a sign of success, is dangerous. 
This kind of language could cause a person to lose their head. Christian communities of all types are called to continue the vocation which John began. We hear and repent and then proclaim conversion. We model and witness to the coming of the Messiah in every act of service and compassion because those acts are exactly the acts that renounce and dismantle the evil ways of this world which oppose God. From our privileged perches, we can faintly imagine the kind of distress and fear that filled the air of Israel in the first century. The times were different then, we can say. We, we are safe. It can never happen here. If the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD was the wrath of God, it happened because the people did not discern the time. They became arrogant and complacent, believed they were God's special protected people. Whenever we close our ears and shut our eyes to one another and dissolve into the crowd which accepts our hardness, we are in that response already experiencing the wrath that betrays our human dignity and divine image. As we embark on the journey of conversion, we keep in mind that the end of all the journey is joy. Listening leads to repentance. Repentance leads to liberation. Liberation frees us to receive the grace and mercy of Christ in all of its abundant fullness, which Christ lavishes on us with the blessings of goodness and peace. Waking up to ourselves, changing our ways, is the deepest expression of what it means to be beloved children of God, objects of God's eternal and unrelenting love. The colic confesses to God that we are sorely hindered by our sins. Next year, God willing, when we are here for the third Sunday of Advent, we will once again know the truths of those words. We are sorely hindered by our sins, yet we will be that much closer to the glory that will be revealed in us. But it is in knowing that we are hindered that is the very opening to what we most need. And so the collect goes on to ask God to help and deliver us speedily, speedily, by your grace and mercy, O Christ. Amen.